Coming up on golf today, there are just three golfers on this planet Earth currently better at golf than Patrick Cantlay. The 29-year-old is in the field this week at Pebble Beach. So we open up the file, his career highlights, what makes the kid tick, and what to expect from him in 2022. Plus, John Cook joins the program for a little past champ chat. Pick survived a five-person playoff at Pebble to snag the first victory of his career. So we go through some of the great moments, who he was most scared of in that playoff, and what makes Pebble Week so darn special. And I'm showing up to practice, shooting early, getting baskets. Macklemore joins the program from Pebble Beach to talk Pro-Am Week, his new clothing line, and what makes Macklemore so different on the golf course. Make the money, don't let the money make you. Golf Today starts right now. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Tom Watson once said, ask any golfer around the world to name a golf course in the United States, and Pebble Beach will be the first thing they say as they should. Beautiful looks around Pebble. This week it is AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Thursday, coverage it's going 3 p.m. Eastern, and we are excited not just for the pros, we're excited for the celebrities and all that comes with Pebble. We Shane Bacon with Rex Hoggard here on a Tuesday Rex Pebble Week is special because it's Pebble. It's Pebble. It's everything about it, right? It's the history. It's the beauty. It's the scenes. It's the tapestry of American golf. If you did a screensaver of American golf, it's not just going to be, oh, am I going to put a picture of Pebble in that selection? It's going to be how many are going to be in there and what story is it going to tell? We it, all have our great Pebble stories. Some of those champ some of those championships and you think about those championship moments over the years for U.S. Opens and it sometimes feels very different when you get a U.S. Open at a Pebble Beach. It feels at times a little elevated considering the history at Pebble Beach. My first experience at Pebble Beach came back probably a decade ago. My first tee shot was 18. It was a uh, it was a shotgun start. First tee shot was 18 in the morning. No range balls. Uh, I was I'd say slightly nervous, very nervous, mostly nervous. Uh, somehow fell in grass, but uh, that was quite the introduction. The only bonus about that was got to play 18 again on the back end of the scramble. See, that's how it works. Well, that's glass half full. I like that. That's make the money, don't let the money make you. I believe it's a lie. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the field this week, including a one Patrick can't lay. Notables you see here, Burgers in the field, Duvall, Mav McNeely, Justin Rose, Speed, Willie Z, Jason Day, Cameron Champ, and Patrick Cantlay as well. Patrick Cantlay kind of quietly going about his business on the PGA Tours. We open up the Cantlay file, and Rex kind of go back to 2011. This was a baby-faced assassin shooting 60 at the Travelers. When I first saw this highlight, that's Patrick Cantlay from a different life. That's a different person. It's amazing what he has become from that. Think about how great he was as an amateur. Haskins Award winner as a freshman. That in there tight, he would roll that in. As I mentioned, round of 60 for that young man. And then 2017 at the Shriners, this at the 18th. Tap in for his first PGA Tour title, just the age of 25. We're going to talk about how far he has come since injury and he got into this game, and that was a key point for him. This also key, 2019 Memorial. The early fist pump makes that for the victory. And now you're starting to go, okay, now we're seeing in the professional ranks what we saw and the amateur ranks. Special moment when you get to stand next to that man with the trophy. And now at the Zozo 2020, waves Rex. He was making waves. 
He really was, and he's become, as I said, such a different player, and he's so calm in these situations. No emotion whatsoever. And there were crumbs left from John Rahm throughout the season last year. <laughs> Unfortunate crumbs. This, of course, at the Memorial when John Rahm had the six-shot lead and was forced to withdraw, and Patrick Cantlay took advantage. Someone was going to take advantage of that. Someone was. John Rahm still counts this as a win. I talked to him last week in Palm Springs, but I think Patrick Cantlay will put it on his resume. Mentally, it was a win for John Rahm. Wikipedia-wise, it was a win for Cantlay. Now, this... We were talking today before the show about Patrick Cantley and his career, and this was the Patrick Cantley moment. It was because Bryson DeChambeau was right next to him, and this is Bryson in full flight. This is when we expect him to step up to the tee, overpower a golf course, overpower an opponent, and he did not. Best putting week of Patrick Cantley's career there at the BMW. Now we'll go to the Tour Championship, kind of capping off the breakout year for Cantley, a win there, and the FedEx Cup. Remarkable season last year for Patrick Cantlay and of course took the hat off. Yeah, you know, the Euros always take their hats off. You don't get a lot of Americans that lose the cap. Cantlay went no cap and then made a little Ryder Cup memory. And there is emotion here. This is the first week I think I've ever watched him. Look at the, the intensity on his face the entire week. I had never seen that before. He was talking about how we wanted it to get big, the margin of victory to get larger. He wanted to win by more when you think about that Ryder Cup. And when you look at his world ranking after 2017, 18th, Pebble Beach Pro Am, he's ranked 1,424, of course, battled injury in 2015 and 2016. After the 2017 Valspar, he was 239th. And then it just kind of progressed to that point. You see 38th, 18th, 7th, 9th. After 2022 American Express, he got to number three in the world. And currently, he is ranked Four, part of that top four in the world, all in their 20s. And this is a guy, Rex, there's not holes in his game. He's able to ball strike his way around a golf course. He can putt incredibly well. He can catch fire with the putter at times like we saw at the BMW. But this was a guy people were talking about when he was a young, young kid. I mean, a freshman in college, yeah. and he wins the Haskins Award. And I think we're still there. I think the conversation this morning when we were talking about this is fascinating because we were talking, has he reached that level that we talk about the other players, the Roy McIlroy's, the Dustin Johnson's, the Colin Morikawa's. And if you look statistically what he did last year, he's already there. He finished in the top 30 in every major statistical category that matters, from ball striking to putting. There are no holes in the game. He's a five-tool Kind of guy. If you look at where he's won, we just went through the list of his victories. Those aren't against lesser fields. The Zozo Championship, top field. Two playoff events, top field. The Memorial, that's a mini major in a lot of guys' minds. So you start clicking off down the list, I think he's already there. The one thing that separates him from probably the rest of the pack is he's just not that it guy. He's not going to say something that's going to get everyone's attention and go, oh, he said the thing, so now suddenly it's a big deal. I told this story this morning, last week in Palm Springs, I kind of got on the wrong side of him. I asked him about low scoring on the PGA Tour, and if he feels like the game has gotten too easy, and he immediately flipped it on me. He said, is the game too easy for you? What's your handicap? And after the press conference, he came up and made the point that, look, relative to everyone else, no, I'm not shooting 30 under every week. Like, it may seem easy to you one day and difficult the next day. It's just the way he processes things, the way his mind works, and I don't know how that hits with the average golf fan. Yeah, I have a rule I live by. You don't have to tell anybody in the world you're good at anything. They'll eventually find that out or they'll find out you're not good at it. You don't have to tell people you're a good golfer, you know, you're, you're good at basketball. To me, Patrick Cantley is one of those guys. He's Clay Thompson to me, if you will. He's an all-star for sure, and he's got a ton of talent. 
but he doesn't need to go walking around telling people that he's good at things. And I think what's been so interesting over the last six, seven, eight months with Patrick Cantlay is when he talks Rex, it is interesting. When he does get in front of a microphone at times, we do walk away impressed with some of the stuff he has to say. Go back to Eastlake last year. And, and look, I don't know if he wants to be a voice of his generation, but when he was asked specifically about the player impact program, and there's a lot of opinions out there, he probably had the freshest and the most insightful opinion on it I had ever ha ever heard. And it really had to do with we're in this situation now where Bryson DeChambeau is being heckled on the golf course because of some sort of man spat he has with Brooks Kepka. And Patrick's point was he's there because of the pip, because we're suddenly rewarding this type of behavior on social media and we're shocked when it shows up at the golf course. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was insightful. And once he gets on these roles, he will blow you away. Patrick Hanley probably not going to go dye his hair is what you're telling me. Probably not going to be a Patrick Cantlay play. Going to leave that for other players. You know, when you look at Patrick Cantley's career to this point, some very interesting things stand out because we talked about some of the wins and the places he's able to win mm. at. He's played well at big events. He's played in six U.S. Opens, made the cut in all six, including playing in U.S. Opens as an amateur, low amateur at the U.S. Open and low amateur at the Masters. When you start to dive into the names that have done that, it's a pretty elite group. Yeah. And he's made the cut in his last four U.S. Opens. There's only been 10 players that have been able to do that. When the course is toughen up and the conditions ask more questions from these players, Patrick Cantley, to me, is one of those players that's not just willing to answer them, but wants to answer them. Xander Shoffley was asked this morning, he's playing at the Saudi International, so he was asked in a press conference this morning if he feels like he's the best player without a major, which is a title that no one wants right. and everyone wants to get there. It's sort of that weird cross that you have to bear. I would argue that Patrick Cantley might be that guy. And look, no one wants that title, but if you look at what he's done, I guess the point would be, of the four major championships, I think he could probably win all three with, again, the five tools that he has. There aren't any weaknesses. Three and one in playoffs, wins over Colin Morikawa and Bryson DeChambeau, just to name mm -hmm. a couple. Obviously, Patrick Cantlay, a ton of game, and we're excited to see what he can do in 2022. Excited to see what he can do at Pebble Beach. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Back on golf today, 1981 Bing Crosby, now the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. John Cook wins for the first of his 11 PGA Tour titles. The event was shortened to 54 holes due to weather. Cook parred the third extra hole to defeat 
Bobby Clampett, Ben Crenshaw, Hill, Irwin, and Barney Thompson. Five man playoff. A look at that leaderboard, as we mentioned, 54 holes. And John Cook able to somehow escape that very, very talented playoff. And of course, 2014, John wins at Pebble Beach again, his 10th Champs Tour title, closing with a 300 par 69 for a one stroke victory. The 56 year old Cook, Birdie, the par 413th part of the final five holes to finish at 11 under par. Time now for past champ chat as John joins us. Now in John, 1981, we mentioned that event was shortened to 54 holes because of weather. What kind of weather are we, what kind of weather are we talking about around Pebble Beach? Well, you get everything you can on under the sun. Uh, for, quite frankly, this week's supposed to be sunny. Uh, highs in the 60s, which around here feels warmer than that. Uh, I can remember 1981, we didn't get started till Saturday. So we ended on Monday. It was a 54-hole uh, event. And actually, they cut the purse by a quarter because we didn't play all 72 holes. So I remember <laughs> that. So when was the last time that happened on the PGA Tour? <laughs> Uh, 40 grand is how much you made. That, that was probably a haul for you in your second year on the PGA oh. Tour. And I, I read a story this morning. <laughs> I read a story this morning as a second year PGA Tour player that you were not intimidated or nervous going into this playoff. Again, with some legends. Hale Irwin was there, Ben Crenshaw was there. Looking back now, you had no nerves whatsoever? Well, not really. I mean, I, I felt my rookie season wasn't great, um, but I. I was just kind of learning. I, I felt like I belonged there. And in 1981, I mean, I, I was started out the year playing pretty well. And when I got to Pebble Beach, you know, I, I knew the golf courses, obviously. And uh, I got in that playoff. I, I just felt like I belonged, honestly. I, I, I felt like, you know, I wasn't the biggest, strongest guy. I wasn't, you know, but I, I was, I had some pretty good credentials coming out of college. So, um, and I played pretty well in some professional events as an amateur. So I, I felt like I knew the PGA Tour pretty well. And when I got in that playoff, I, I just said, this is mine. This is mine. I know Bobby Clamp is a hometown hero. You know, Ben Crenshaw and Hale Irwin were going on to be Hall of Famers. Barney Thompson had just gotten out of the tap room. He'd been there for a couple of <laughs> hours. So, and God bless him, one of the nicest gentlemen you've ever met. Six foot five, looked like Mr. Intimidator. Uh, but I felt that this was going to be mine. I honestly did. I'd won the state amateur there, state high school there um, previously. I just felt like I was home. I, something about Pebble Beach. Uh, so when I got in that playoff, I knew I had to make birdies, and I birdied one and two to keep going So and beat Hale Irwin on the third, third extra hole, number three. John, I love reading these old gamers, kind of telling some of these stories of the past PGA Tour, if you will. I mean, you're a guy, you're at Spyglass, you drive over – to Pebble Beach, and the picture is painted as such that you're hitting balls into the bay on the 18th fairway at Pebble Beach. I'm not sure we'd be seeing that in 2022. <laughs> no, things were different in 1981, guys. I can promise you. The rules were a little, little, little bit different. Uh, when I got done at, at Spyglass, um, you know, I still I was still maybe a shot or two behind. They, Bobby Clampett had holes to play. I think Brad Bryant had Watson had holes to play. Um, so I just, I went over there and I wanted to make sure that I was nice and relaxed, hit a couple more balls and yeah, got the call first tee 
10 minutes, let's go. So <laughs> they don't quite do that anymore. They, uh, they'll, they'll cart you around and do whatever they need to do. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was quite an experience. I mean, to have my first win on the PGA Tour, uh, 1981 at Pebble Beach, and, and my last win on the Champions Tour, probably the last one of my career, uh, there as well. I mean, to bookend, you know, those two wins, I'm pretty happy, pretty happy about it. Well, we call certain events now elevated events. You think of Bay Hill and Memorial and Riv. Uh, you know, I mean, to win at Pebble Beach, did that feel elevated to you at the time to win a golf tournament at Pebble Beach, considering the celebrities and the golf course? No, 100%. Jim Garner was my partner. Um, I actually played the three days with uh, with Sir Nick Faldo. He was my uh, my playing partner, along with uh, one of Jim Garner's great friends, um, uh, Bill Saxon. So. Uh, we had those three days together, but yeah, we, we, we played Spyglass and Cypress Point, Pebble Beach. You win golf tournaments going around those three, and this year, you know, with Monterey Peninsula, same thing. I think it's it's a testament to the game. It, it this is you know, I mean, it's not you know the, the I mean the world of golf here, but it, it's certainly pretty close. And to win on these three golf courses uh, was pretty special. Cookie, you talked about the weather that year, canceling one round. You played that event a lot. Give me your worst experience with, quote, unquote, Crosby weather. <laughs> uh, we got winded out. I know we had to come back in, in 1998. The uh, wind was blowing so hard that uh, we, we couldn't even get the fourth round finished. So we came back after the PGA in Sahali um, to finish up because we you couldn't play. I mean, I... I I hit a tee shot on the third hole. I was playing with um, Kevin Costner was my partner, um, and we're playing on Sunday. And the third hole, you normally you just drive it across the bunkers, hit nine iron, a wedge, sand wedge in there. We had to go way out to the right, and I was I hit three iron into number three for my second <laughs> shot. And I'm going, well, okay, I can't wait to get to number seven because I've hit five iron into seven before. Well, if I'm hitting three iron into three, what's that going to play? So. Um, that was that was pretty bad. We've had some you know wind and rain, but I, that year right there when you know, they had to call it because you couldn't keep the ball in the green, um, it, that was that was something. Yeah, on the third hole in '81, you hit nine iron into three feet. Now, as a professional golfer, this is not something you do often. You have three feet and you have to two putt from th three feet. Now, the story I read, you ran it by maybe a little more than you wanted. How uncomfortable was that situation as a pro golfer? <laughs> Kind of limping a three-footer down there. Oh, that well, you do that around Pebble because of the the point of greens. And uh, Hale Irwin had hit his second shot over the green, uh, didn't get it to the green, then pitched it in there about a foot and a half. And I got three feet right of the hole, pins kind of middle left. And I know I just need to drip this in the right edge. And if it catches the edge, great. But if not, just go up and tap it in. Well, I hit it maybe an inch or two too hard, caught the right lip. And you know what happens when you get right lip spin outs <laughs> holy smokes it went it went two feet by outside of Hale's coin and he looked at me I looked at him and I was shaking literally shaking <laughs> going oh boy now I gotta I need to finish I need I need to go I actually his it was just inside his coin and he looked at me like well are you gonna finish son or what and I said um I'll I'll, I'll slap this one in and Luckily, somehow got it in the hole. It was something. <laughs> it was a victory. You are the champ. So it's time now to quiz 
the champ. We've got some questions about your career and maybe some questions about your college <laughs> in here. So we're going to start question number one. 1998, you earned your 10th PGA Tour victory at the Byron Nelson after entering the final round. How many strokes behind Fred Couples? I would say, uh, I'm going to say two or three. Four back. He was four back, Rex. That's pretty respectable. Four Give back. it to him. Oh, four back. Oh, Give it to him. <laughs> Man, no, I'll give a you nice that comeback. one. <laughs> I'll give you a half point for that one, Cookie. Just, just okay. to be fair, just to be fair on that okay. one. All right, here, here's another one. At the 1996 FedEx St. Jude Classic, you tied an all-time PGA Tour record at the time with an opening round of blank under par. I uh, shot 63. I know that, so that was eight under. Eight under. What'd you shoot the next day? Uh, nine under. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Nailed, <laughs> nailed. Very, very impressive. One and a half points. Um, all right, you were a three-time All-American at Ohio State University. How many Heisman Trophy winners have come out of Ohio State? Hopalong Cassidy, Archie Griffin twice, Eddie George, Troy Smith. I might be missing one. Uh, five. Five total. Seven. Four guys. Mm. Seven, is, seven is the number. That's disappointing. Oh, man, who did I, okay. who else did I miss? That's disappointing. My dad's going to kill me. He's going to call me right we, now and say, all, all I've taught you, and you missed that question? <laughs> <laughs> we had you on to talk about 1981. You had to brush up on 81. Did We did not tell you that you had to brush up on Ohio State Heisman facts, but we really appreciate the time. <laughs> It was a lot of fun kind of catching up and going down memory Appreciate lane on it. that great victory. It's great being here. I love Pebble Beach. I feel the energy already. It's, uh, it's a special place. Well, we appreciate the time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece with nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Ah, uh, Pebble Beach. I would like to be there right now, Rex. I got to be honest with you. AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern. First round coverage here on golf. Got some big notable celebrities in the field returning this week. Josh Allen in the field. I can guarantee you Josh Allen wishes he was not 
in the field. But he'll be there. Bill Murray, of course, Larry Fitzgerald, Ray Romano, and Macklemore in the field this week as well. Macklemore, big golfer. He's got the Bogey Boys clothing line. Just a rock star in a lot of regards. Looks sharp, plays sharp, and does sharp interviews. And I've got good news. Macklemore is uh, going to do an interview with us right now. Macklemore, last year you came on the program, and it was one of my favorite interviews of the entire year. Do, does, do you have to live up to those expectations now? Are you confident in your ability to deliver in 2022? In terms of interviews, absolutely not. Uh, the fact that you have said that means that this interview is going to be trash, and uh, we're going to do our best to salvage it, but there's a lot of expectations on the line now. All right, you mentioned it going into this year's Pro-Am. What are your expectations as how you're going to play at Pebble Beach? You know what? Yesterday, the day before yesterday, I decided to do the thing that no golfer should ever do, which is get a golf lesson the day before he goes down to Pebble Beach. Oh, no. Oh. And I knew better. I knew it. But there was something that was like, if I could just get like a small tweak and just straighten out the driver a little bit. I get to the range yesterday at Spyglass and I'm literally cannot swing the golf club. I am hitting hosel only. And oh, no. with each hosel, the fear and terror intensifies. Um, by the seventh hole, you know, I'm just, I'm picking up on each hole. Like, I literally can't hit the golf ball. Finally, I got back to my swing from 48 hours ago, the one that I've had for a while, with a bunch of things that are wrong and an open club face and yada, yada. But I started to hit the golf ball. And, um, and I shot a 43 on the back at Spyglass. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that That's all day. That's good stuff. Spyglass is no joke. Uh, last year no on the joke. program... You were on the show. You promised Damon and Hackey you'd send us Bogey Boys clothing. You did not send us Bogey Boys clothing. Still waiting on you the know, box. But I wanted, I wanted to ask how the clothing line's delays. going. There's been some delays. <laughs> how is the clothing line? How's it going with you? Uh, the clothing line is going really well. Um, we have a flagship store in Seattle now. Uh, online sales are fantastic. There's a lot of buzz around the brand. And, um, you know, of course, there's the challenges of just uh, – overseas and deliveries and all of that sort of stuff that COVID has impacted. But for the most part, I would say uh, it's going fantastic. And we will get you that box. I can't believe that didn't come. I can't believe one of the producers from your show stole your box. Yeah. <laughs> Arthur Volpe is his name, and he took it. Uh, slightly <laughs> larger shirt than I'm going to wear, but he could squeeze into a medium, I think. I'm going to move on yep. beyond just the cheap begging for free clothes on this front. But I was curious... When I was reading this morning about the Bogey Boys line, you referenced vintage. You're a big fan of what golfers were wearing in the 1970s and 1980s. Is there a specific golfer that stands out that you looked at and thought, yes, that's the guy I'm going after? You know, I think it's a collection of them. I don't think it's anyone specifically. Uh, I think of, um, of just that era more than, than one person. Of course, there's, you know, your your Arnold Palmers and your Lee Trevinos and Chichi Rodriguez and certain guys that, that I think of when I think of style and golf. But, um, you know, it's everyone from that era. It's the cut and the fit and the shape of the clothing. And I think that that's what differentiates that era between the clothes of today. So I'm trying to kind of meet a merger in between the two. Macklemore, who is at the top of your list of artists that you'd most want to collab with that you haven't collabed with yet? 
Uh, you know, I mean, I'm going to have to put Kanye up there. I, you know, Jay-Z, uh, you know, Lil Wayne. Those are some people that pop into my head immediately. Um, I think of golfers I'd like to golf with even more than the question that you asked. <laughs> who, who is that? We're going Michael Jordan. Okay. I would love to lose some money to Michael Jordan. Just really competitive, really intense, a lot of sweating. Um, you know, everything's a competition. That would be amazing. Of course, you have, you know, you got to go with, with the goat. You got to go with Tiger. Um, I would love to play with Rory. There's too many people to name. My question was horrible. Your question was better. All right, so speaking of nerves, and I think you referenced this last year, you, you played in a special event at Pebble Beach, and you talked about the nerves and getting to the first tee and feeling uncomfortable. How does that compare to when you go on stage at a big event? Do the nerves even can compare, or is it not the same? You know what? I don't think – I think that it's not even the pro-am. I think that if I go to the first tee by myself in my golf club – uh, I probably have more nerves than going in front of a crowd of, of 15,000 people. Um, yeah, I'm not good at golf. I'm trying to learn this. Look at that swing. You guys got to get some new pictures. <laughs> not that it's better, but look at, like, why am I doing that with my mouth, man? Um, <laughs> seriously, we got to update the press photos. No, but, um, yeah, it's just there's something about golf where you're like, what if I hit like the fear is just always present. What if I what if I shank it? What if I like snap hook it? You know, then you throw in spectators into it. And I'm like, I definitely hit some shots yesterday that would have seriously injured some people um, <laughs> had there been spectators. So there's that added component. Um, I've been rapping for the majority of my life and on stage. It's uh, it's kind of second nature at this point. Macklemore, you do a lot of cool stuff. You get to go to a lot of events and see famous people. How special is this week compared to the other 51 each, each, each for throughout the year? This is my favorite. This is my favorite. Favorite week? Um, yeah. Every, every year, you know, it's my third year, um, there's something special about this event. I feel like I'm a kid at Disneyland. I pulled up yesterday and you see all the trucks outside, you know, TaylorMade and Callaway and Wilson and, and all the different massive, tr you know, trailers of trucks. And, you know, you see the players checking in and it literally feels like you're going to golf camp for the week with uh, a bunch of professional golfers. I just don't know another sport with that type of access to professional uh, athletes and playing the most beautiful courses in the world. Um, so there's that component of it. And then, of course, there's the, the component of what um, Steve Jobs and the rest of um, and the rest of the committee do in terms of raising money for the Monterey Peninsula. And it's a ridiculous amount of money that they're able to put back into the community and support those that are disenfranchised and that need the help. So um, we actually... This polo that I'm wearing now, uh, we did this in conjunction with them. We got the AT&T Pro-Am logo on it. It's a Bogey Boys shirt. It's at bogeyboys.com. All the proceeds go to, um, you know, helping people in this area of, of Monterey Peninsula. And it's been super cool to partner with them. I just, I'm a huge fan of Steve John and his whole team. And that's also a massive part because 
that's what this is really all about at the end of the day is getting out, playing golf, meeting new people, and, uh, and also helping others at the same time. Always helps when you can help people while you're having fun. One of the great parts of Pebble Beach Week. Macklemore, we always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for being a good sport and having some fun with us. You can go to bogeyboys.com and buy that shirt that Macklemore is wearing right there. It helps people. It does good. You look great on the golf course if you're wearing it. And we'll get you those Yarmo glasses, okay? <laughs> I'm going to get you guys those boxes. I'm into it. I'm into Mac Lamour going to be out playing a little golf this week at Pebble Beach. We know it's only February 1st, but already seen two incredible champs on the LPGA Tour. We're going to dive into the LPGA Tour and the strength of where it is right now when we return. First event of the LPGA season, Danielle Kang a champion at the Hilton Gardens Vacation Tournament of Champions in Orlando. She finished 16 under par. Only player to break 70 on Saturday and Sunday. Sixth victory for Danielle Kang. What about the very next week? Gambridge LPGA at Boca Rio. Lydia Coe. A 17th victory. 17 victories for Lydia Coe. Kind of surprising even just to say it. So in 2022, we've had Danielle Kang win. We've had Lydia Ko win. This is coming off one of the great seasons ever on the LPGA Tour in 2021. We had a shakeup, Rex, in the Rolex World Ranking. Jin Young Ko now number one player in the world. When you look at this embarrassment of riches, and we talked about this yesterday, I don't know that the LPGA schedule could have gotten off to a better start. And you, I love the wraparound schedule that the PGA Tour has, but when you have the fresh start in January, where you can just, it feels like opening day in baseball. It's just special. And then you add that you have these head-to-heads. I mean, Sunday's head-to-head -head between those two players, that's his classic. Yeah, I mean, you, you can get big names in the fields early in the year and get in contention, but to have players win like this, to have Danielle Kang pick up, pick up another victory that she really, really needed after 2021, that I think at times felt maybe a bit disappointing after what she did in 2020 and then you look at Lydia Ko adding a 17th victory I, I still don't think we I think we underappreciate Lydia Ko as much as about anybody in the world but you know when I look at the depth of the LPGA Tour to me is where I'm the most surprised somebody like Jessica Corda you know a name we talk about a lot and one of in our opinion one of the great American players out there ranked 23rd in the world I think that's a bit surprising Leona McGuire is one of the great young players out there on the LPGA Tour she's ranked 37th in the world. Even Lizette Salas, if you remember, got herself in contention twice in majors last year. Two second place finishes, ranked 20th in the world. To me, that really speaks of the depth because these are superstars on the LPGA Tour. And you're talking about players that aren't ranked in the top 20. And we had this conversation on the men's side about can this play, can player X get to number one in the world? Well, it's such a more compelling conversation to have. And Lydia Ko is where I would start with, just because of the fact that she has been there before. She was there, she was ranked number one when she was 17 years old, and she's such a different player now. She has talked about that she doesn't want to fall back on that person, on that player, that she has reinvented herself, and it's very, very similar to what we talked about with Patrick Cantlay. There were tough times, and she had to discover who she was, and she's only better because of that. And if you look at sort of the margins right now, not just between those top three players, but you're right. I... I would venture to guess between 1 and 20, you could come up with a lot of good head-to-head. -head. A, a lot of great players and a lot of players that have won big events. Uh, what's been interesting is, you know, Nellie Corda, I mean, two events in, and she's played solid golf, but I don't think she's played the level of golf that we saw in 2021. Jin Young Ko now, number one ranked 
player in the world. These are two names that we haven't really talked about. And I know it's very, very early in the season, but this start with two superstars, if you will, going out and get victories, I would assume pushes those players to try to get onto it early. I mean, let's go out there and get a victory as early and add our names to 2022. I would think so. If you talk to any top player, they always tell you, I, I just want to go against the best when they're playing the best. No one wants to win by 20 strokes. I say that, but it's all, I'm sure it's fun to do. I think in this particular case, when you're talking about professional athletes, and I'll go back to what happened last Sunday. It's the cliche, right, on the PGA Tour. Did you win or were you, did you get beat or did you lose? I would say that neither one of those things happened. I mean, they had a, a great battle coming down the stretch. Lydia Ko just came out ahead because she sank more putts and she was just a better player. That, to me, is what inspires any of those players. You're talking about Nelly Quarter right now. Just to go out and, yes, I want to go head-to-head -head with the best. I, uh, I'm very interested in what happens with Danielle Kang this season. You know, I mean, this is a player that when we've seen her start to groove it in golf, she seems to win a lot. I mean, back-to-back -back U.S. Women's Amateur Championships when she was younger, wins two straight events in 2020 when golf returns. I feel like this is a player, maybe more than anybody in the game of golf, can ride that momentum wave. And this is a player right now that's got to be feeling it considering the way she started the year. And Butch Harmon, her swing coach, does not throw around accolades. A he's worked lot. with some decent players? He's worked with some decent players, but when he talks about not just his admiration for her work ethic, but just the talent that she brings to the table. And again, Butch Harmon has worked with some of the best players. He's not one for false modesty in this particular case, but he talks very, very highly of her. And I was also taken, it's been a couple weeks now, but the way she signed the cover of the Golf Digest magazine in, in the airport just for someone to pick up, the idea that a professional athlete at that level has that sense of humor and that sense of person, I'm going to call it, simply because I know who I am and this is going to be fun for someone to pick up. I love that. It'll be great on social as well. And it was great It was on great on social. social. We got LPGA this week as well. Got some big names in the field. Crown Colony hosting LPGA's first event. This is the Crown Colony in Florida. See, I grew up in the Crown Colony in Texas. Played a lot of junior golf there. Hit a lot of balls in the water. Part three is not easy of Texas Crown Colony. Players in the top ten in the field this week. You got Nelly. You got MB. You got Danielle Kang back. You Casasso, Nasa, and Brooke Henderson all in the field at the LPGA Drive on Championship.